welcome to CAD Speaker Series Podcast. This week, CAD Student Ambassador Yushuang Law is interviewing Professor Lu Ming, Distinguished Professor of Economics at Shanghai Jiao Tong University and Director of the Center for China Development Studies at the same institution. Professor Lu just delivered a talk here at the Ash Center, co-sponsored by CID, on how efficient and inclusive urbanization in China requires a leading role for the big cities. Thank you very much, Professor Lu. So uh, we really enjoyed your talk about human capital in agglomeration. So we're thinking about you have some very interesting benefits of agglomeration, both for the high skill and for the low skill. So on behalf of the CID, I'd like to ask you more questions about how do you clarify inequality in three levels, so both within the city, between cities, and also between cities and countryside. So just to clarify, maybe firstly for our listeners, could you briefly summarize the idea that you think are the social and economic benefits of agglomeration? Yeah, uh, inequality in any country can be decomposed mm-hmm. uh, uh, to be interregional income disparity, mm-hmm. urban rural income disparity, and within region or within city yeah. income disparity. During economic agglomeration, in general, the uh, urban rural income disparity could be uh, narrowed mm-hmm. because people can move from the uh, poor rural area to the cities to find a good job, to find a higher income. Uh, and the per capita land in the rural area can be also increased. So the urban rural income disparity will be narrowed. Um, this is also proved by the experience of uh, many developed countries uh, like UN, United States and, uh, mm-hmm. and Japan. And for interregional income disparity, there are two stages. The first stage, the income disparity across different regions will widen because some people can move to large cities like uh, Tokyo, like uh, New York. Mm-hmm. They can enjoy agglomeration effects and, and a scale economy. So their income will increase faster. But some people will stay in the uh, uh, small towns and remote areas, and uh, the per capita land is increased, but very slowly. So at the first stage, the interregional income disparity could also widen. But when they enter the post-industrialization process, the developed countries saw a declining interregional income disparity. Reason is very simple. You can move, right? If there is a richer region than your hometown, you move until there's no difference living in one place. <laughs> you stop moving, right? So finally, the developed countries also reach a narrowed income disparity across different regions. According to a study by World Bank, mm-hmm. they find that any country who had successfully reduced their interregional income disparity is a country with free mo- mobility of labor. Right. Just by moving resources or giving mm-hmm. them money in, in the form of uh, fiscal transfer does not help so much. Mm-hmm. Right. So the real challenge is actually within city or within region mm-hmm. uh, income disparity because when people move, high skill laborers and low skill laborers they will move together. Right. And uh, in developed countries, in a market economy, the public policy is to equalize public service, like education and medical care. So public service will be biased to protect the poor people. So there, uh, the, the real challenge is the uh, within-city income inequality. So the public policy is to equalize the provision and access of public service so that people's inequality uh, in public service, in, in, in welfare, is much lower than their income inequality. 
to make the uh, society harmonious, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So that's the the way for the public policy. Okay, so about this within city inequality, because you were talking about agglomeration have benefits and also cost, but do you think the benefits and cost for inequality are distributed equally among the high skill and the low skill, or does certain this de- this depends on public policy. Mm-hmm. If the public policy aiming aims at narrowing the welfare uh, inequality among different people, I mean the uh, rich people can contribute to the uh, economic growth, mm-hmm. so that, as I said, the size of the cake will be will be bigger, so that you can move some resources from the rich people to subsidize the poor people. And when you subsidize poor people, poor people live in their um, cities, and they are the workers to serve the uh, rich people, so mm-hmm. they can live and work together, mm-hmm. right? So you can gain both efficiency and equity. If the public policy does not address this issue, as I can show in my study, mm-hmm. the larger cities will have higher income inequality. Right. Right. Because rich people and poor people, they, they live together. Yeah. But if you don't equalize public service, their income inequality will be also uh, influencing their welfare inequality. Right. Then the society is very dangerous because, you know, <laughs> there okay. is a potential of a revolution. <laughs> right. So it, this depends solely on um, the public pol- okay. policy orientation. So you were talking about in purely economics term, there's a tendency for, for agglomeration to give differential return to the high and low scale. So you really want to stress the role of public policy to equalize the gap. That's the role of the government. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And also, uh, in other words, about the inter-region inequality, um, there's a lot of studies saying that the Chinese cities, a lot of them are undersized, that for efficiency roles, you need to have more like bigger cities, agglomerations, especially in the like um, the lagging regions. However, they are undersized in a way they cannot attract talents. I mean, they are losing talent. So, uh, why? I mean, what other reasons do you think is causing this undersized issue for the inland cities? Why are they not becoming bigger as to become more efficient? Let me clarify two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing is when we say many Chinese cities are. You know, their size is not large enough. Mm-hmm. It means if without hukou constraint, more people can move from the rural area mm-hmm. to the urban area so that the cities will be larger. It doesn't mean that you want to increase some of the, uh, some of the cities, their size. Mm. You downsize the largest cities. Right. It doesn't mean so. It doesn't mean so. So what we need to do in China is to gradually remove the obstacle for obstacle against labor mobility so that mm-hmm. many, many cities can become larger. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we can also improve the quality and quantity of the public services and uh, infrastructure to accommodate more people to mm-hmm. make this city, you know, uh, uh, livable, efficient, and also uh, environment friendly. Right. right. So that's what we need to do. Okay. Right. So, we were, so when we talk about um, growth of city, we're ta- we talking about both like cities compared to big cities, but also city compared to countryside, and thinking about how labor can move from city yeah. to city, also from countryside to the city. This is what I mean. Okay. And also, um, you mentioned Hukou as a very important institutional barrier for the development of different sizes of cities. Do you, do you think there are also, also other institutional barriers or like political failures? For example, maybe some cities have more favorable like policies, maybe there's a favoritism in terms of giving like trade licenses. Do you think those are also some of the pop, I mean, political structures that's making some cities larger and some cities smaller? 
Um, I don't think this is a very serious problem mm -hmm. because when we talk about the uh, preferential policies, mm -hmm. we worry about whether the uh, city size in China, especially the mega cities like Shanghai and Beijing, they are large because of the preferential policies. Right, yeah. My answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, the large cities are large. It's mainly because of uh, their scale economy to mm -hmm. develop services. Right. Historical starting point also matter. For example, we put so many universities in Shanghai and Beijing exactly. in nineteen fifties. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. one of the reason. Yeah. But given the starting point, you cannot change the starting point, right? Right. Given the starting point, the later on development of these universities is based on scale economy, mm -hmm. not any preferential policies. Okay. For other things like Olympic Games. Yeah. World Expo. How can you imagine that we can put Olympic Games in other cities, mm -hmm. right? Many people think that we put like Disneyland, right? They are put in first tier city because these are the industries. They need more skill economy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what we need to consider in China is, as I said, what we need to consider is to think whether we have placed too many preferential policies <coughs> To support the development of the lagging cities, of the lagging cities, right? Because there is no efficiency, yeah, <coughs> and uh, not sustainable. Right, that's the question we need to ask. Right. So, um, maybe a another aspect of inequality is, as you said, is between the cities and the countryside. Because there's also some studies saying that actually the urban-rural inequality is one of the most important drivers of the Chinese income inequality. Exactly. And, then, and then there's a, so in a way, people are saying that China urbanized before the agriculture modernized. So do, do you think that's true? And also, if that's true, how do you think the urban agglomeration can become a cause or a solution for the rural-urban inequality? Of course, a solution. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Why? Agriculture is a sector where the land area is given. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so whether the agriculture can be modernized is a result of urbanization. Mm. If there is a, um, you know, if the cities have the uh, ability to create jobs continuously and we can increase our productivity and innovation and technology, we have absorb more and more people into the urban area. So the rural people will be reduced. The more you reduce urban people, sorry, rural people, mm -hmm. the higher the per capita land they have. The higher the per capita land they have, the richer they are. The richer they are, the more technology and modern you know, machines, planes they will use. That's the United States. Right. right. If you do not reduce population in the agriculture sector... There's no driving why, motivation why for do them they, to... Why do they use... Innovation, right. high technology, because they are expensive. Yeah, right. So this is the result. The only way to reduce the uh, urban rural, urban urban rural income disparity is to urbanize more people into the city. Why now you see that the urbanization ratio in China is rising, but at the same time, uh, uh, in, in a long period in the history, urban rural income disparity is also widening, is because economic activities are agglomerating in the cities, mm -hmm. but people don't move. People mm -hmm. don't move sufficiently. So this is why the income inequality between the urban and rural area is also widening. It's not because of urbanization itself. 
is because urbanization is distorted. Yeah, that's huge difference between these two concepts, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So any modernized countries in in the world have shown the experience that urbanization is helpful to reduce urban rural income disparity. What what is happening in China is very special. Yeah. So maybe some final words about policy implications. So do you think there's a role? I mean, I think you said something in the lecture, but just to clarify for our listeners, do you think there's a role for the development policies and spatially targeted programs to complement the market force in terms of addressing the inequality issues? This is this is a this is a good question. In economic study, there is a term place-based policy.、Mm-hmm. People have made great efforts to explore. How and why place-based policies can play a role to help those lagging regions to develop or not?、Mm-hmm. Just this、uh, this noon, I present a paper、yeah. in the econ department using Chinese data to study this issue. Our finding is the development <coughs> development zone policy, because in China, when you open a development zone, they will enjoy preferential policies yeah, like a subsidy, yeah.、Uh, tax reduction, and so on. We find that. Only in the coastal area, where they have a greater market potential,、mm-hmm. they can enjoy the policy to develop. If you put this policy into the lagging region, because of no access to the market, even if you in, you input money there, the production will not expand so much. The efficiency is even poorer.、Mm-hmm. So the paper title is "Dependent、uh, Place-Based Policy:、mm-hmm. The Effects of Place-Based." Place-based policy depends on place, right? So geography plays geography. a role. Geography, yeah. Geography, geography plays a role. Yeah. So for the lagging regions where they don't have the comparative advantage to to develop manufacturing sector, the best policy is to move people out. Yeah. Move people out because there is a there is a way of thinking about this issue. You want to make the people rich, not the land rich.、Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to make the people rich, there are two choices. To make them rich in the hometown, and to make people richer in another place, why not? <laughs> right? And the remaining people, when more people move out, the remaining people will have per capita higher per capita resources. They will also become richer. To be farmer, why not? Right. And right. then just to add on the comments about geography,、um, do you think infrastructure plays a role in terms of? Changing first nature geography of making the lagging region more connected. If that's the case, do you think the connection can have a harmful role <laughs> in terms of sucking their potential of their markets and their resources? Depends. Yeah. For example, if、uh, a lagging region they have、mm-hmm. comparative advantage to produce agricultural goods, if you build roads and railways to connect themselves with the、uh, large cities、mm-hmm. or even international markets, of course it's helpful.、Mm-hmm. It can increase their production. Yeah. By increasing by increasing trade,、mm-hmm. but there is another kind of infrastructure, connecting different cities by moving people.、Mm-hmm. For example, mega trains,、yeah. bullet trains, like 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 what is happen happening in in,、right. in China.、Yeah. We are building、yeah. those、uh, bullet trains to connect small cities and large cities. There is evidence showing that when different cities are connected, people are moving faster to large cities. Mm-hmm. So you are actually helping people to move, not to helping the、uh, small cities to attract more people. But this is good. This is good because for the people who are moving towards the larger cities, 
they are heading for a better life. Why not? And for the remaining people in the small cities, what you need to think is, what are the comparative ad- comparative advantages mm-hmm. in the future? Right? If you have it, do something right. If you don't have it, move out. <laughs> exactly. Right.、Mm-hmm. So, infrastructure can help people to stay. Can also help people to move. Depends on whether you can have、uh, more job opportunities based on your comparative advantage. Right. This is very clear. Yeah. So eventually, when we talk about development, the focus is not about making a place richer, but making the people in the place richer. So then they should have their choice of moving to the places that make their labor more like. I would like to say more exactly as to make people rich rather than to make the land richer,、mm. because when you use the term to say not the region richer, region means there are still people living、mm-hmm. there, right? Region are richer means、uh, people living there are also richer, right? What I mean is, if you look at the、um, production per unit of land,、mm-hmm. could be very low. Yeah, but labor productivity and per capita income could be very high,、mm-hmm. because scale because of scale economy. A farmer's income could be very high, yeah, but the production per unit of land could be far away from that of the first tier city like New York and Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, per capita income is equalized. Exactly, that's what I mean. All right, thank you very <laughs> much, Professor Lu. Okay,、really、thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. Okay. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.